This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio today by Evan Grant, who's having trouble with his microphone. Do you have a limp microphone? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I got nothing for that, Kevin. Let's, uh, oh, I need to turn off my phone in case anybody calls me. Turn off your phone. Some important people could be calling me in the middle of this. Who's calling you? Jeff Jeff Luno? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's calling. He's calling. Um, he has some issues with my referencing him as hubristic. Hubristic? Yeah. Wow. Hubristic. Who else are you using that line on? I had a good barbecue to bristic <laughs> yesterday. All right. Let's go. All right, we're talking about those Cowboys. Is that what we're doing? I guess that's where we're starting. Yeah, let's start with the Cowboys. We couldn't have uh, David Moore on today because he's got more important things to do than be on with you and me. Well, he's got the short week. You got, what, what, when did you guys travel home? Uh, well, they came home early on Sunday mor- uh, Monday morning, 6 o'clock. I, I flew in at 1030. Of course, I'm flying on the on the old uh, uh, one-stopper, stopping in St. Louis and then coming on. Mm. Yeah, there's nothing like that uh, – that six-hour trip coming back from someplace. Nah, it's fun. Fun, yeah. fun, fun. Yeah. So anyway, Not as fun uh, as that game, though. I tell you, that was some fun, wasn't it? You seem to have fun. Uh, well, here's the, here's what was fun, was running into the owner, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm walking into the clubhouse, and then they have – Locker room and football. Well, that's right. Locker, locker. You're right. You're right. I'm walking into the locker room. I, I'm sitting talking to you, so I'm thinking of clubhouses. So I walk in the locker room, and then I, I turn around, and I see this little ante room they have there, and I, and then there's a large group, and I realize, oh, that's Jerry's deal, okay? So I walk over, and I'm standing on the on the outer edge of it, and I'm listening to him, and I'm thinking, oh, Jerry's not in a good mood. And and you, and, and, and for the most part, and for years now, he has not been critical uh, after games. He'll, he'll, he, will, he will even kind of say, no, I'm not frustrated. I'm a little disappointed, you know, that, and he'll, he'll give you that kind of stuff. And so, in the process of all this, uh, uh, Calvin Watkins, you know, one of our fine beat writers, was standing there in front of me, and and he's standing in front of Jerry. And so he asked for my while Jerry's talking, he Calvin is asking for my notebook, and so he gives I give him my notebook, and so he's writing on the notebook, you know, what Jerry's saying, you know, one of the things being that uh, this is a setback, you know, and then he writes Jerry critical of coaches, and while he's writing this all. Jerry's watching him uh, write it all down uh, while he's talking, so which, which was all kind of funny, although he, he can't tell what Calvin's writing upside down. But anyway, uh, he stood there and talked as long as anybody wanted to talk. I was there until the very end. There was a, just about four or five of us left. He clearly wanted this message out, uh, that this is, what he, this is what he felt like. It didn't matter. The two tripping calls, which were phenomenally bad calls, 
one of them, of course, killing the Cowboys uh, uh, next to last drive. Um, and, and that was a, in a way, uh, I, well, I admire Jerry for, for not allowing that to derail what he wanted to say. Uh, Jerry's take on this whole thing was essentially you lost to the Jets, and I didn't roast you after losing to the Jets. But losing to the Jets means you got to come here and win. And well, that's uh, bad logic. Well, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't mind it that much. It's it's Jerry logic. I'm just used to it. That that that's bad logic. And and let me just. Well, no, but it allows you to say, okay, you know, you come back, you can make a statement win now. And, and he makes a point, and it, which is true. Now we have to come up here and win this game against the Patriots. Because, well, you have to, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I well, don't, that's, no, that's what he's talking about, though. You got, but you didn't expect them to win. David didn't expect them to win. No. I didn't expect them to win. I don't think there's anybody. I don't. I, I don't think there's a whole lot of Cowboy fans, um, or evaluators around the league who find a whole lot of shame in the fact that the that the Cowboys ended up going to New England, where I think the the, the Patriots are they won twenty one in a row. Their their win percentage at home is ridiculous, and losing particularly in bad conditions. But they could have won that game. But they could have won that game. That's the point. The point is, is that the Patriots are not as good. Their offense is just not as good, okay? And some of that was the conditions on Sunday. But some of it's, you know, they got no wide receivers. They had Edelman, and they got Nikhil Harry, and these guys are dropping balls, and he doesn't have a tight end anymore. Uh, you know, their running game's okay, you know, pretty good, but not, but not great. Uh, they're winning on, on defense and special teams, just like Tom Brady said, and that's how they won that game. They've won two games now on block punts. Well, let's, let's, let's step back for a second. Okay, go let, ahead. Let, let's, go, let's go back, because I thought your column on Monday um, was outstanding, as usual. Um, but I, I, in, in your column Monday, I think you conveyed the message that Jerry was critical of the coaching staff uh, and that, in, in your mind, I think it, it fully applied uh, – the propane to the to the hot seat. oh yeah yeah um the one thing that th there was one exception that i would take with any of this and yeah. if jerry's ever looking for a loophole of giuliani type loophole he he can say well yes i was talking about special teams yeah. in particular sure. and can throw the special teams under the bus um but that was at the source of his criticism of this game correct? oh yeah that's that's number one right sure. and, and as it and, and, and tell everybody again what he said about special teams and how it reflected on coaching uh he he went off on that he, he'd already commented on, on it once and then after everybody left he really uh turned it up and so he, was it just you and him at that point no 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 there's like four or five of us okay. there but uh he he's but when we started out there's like 15 or 20 right um and that's what i mean by he stayed as long as anybody wanted to be there uh what he just went on and on saying special teams is savvy special teams is thinking special teams is coaching well he said that twice special teams is 100 percent coaching special teams is 100 percent coaching you know and as i pointed out you know how jerry is he talks in circles and he, he and you're where are we going there was no circles there it's very direct very concise very emphatic this is this is the problem. And I think, you know, yes, you can say, you can blame us on Keith O'Quinn, who's the special teams coordinator. Right. The, the team has been, the special teams have been terrible all year long. You know, right. they're, they're, they're just a mistake. There's at least one big mistake in every game. You know, they can't get the kickoffs right. Right. You know? Well, now, okay, I, I, let, let's take these point by point. Yeah. Another missed field goal. Um, yeah, let's. Into the wind. Into the, I don't have a problem with that. 46 yards. No, no problem. All right, so no problem there. Uh, the block punt. 
Inexcusable. Inexcusable. Why? Now, now I thought that, that Slater made a great play to get his hand extended there. He's really good. I mean, he's an all-pro. Uh, so, yes, he is. But the thing was that the guy they put out there for that uh, is a linebacker who was who was sick all week. Right. Uh, and it was and it didn't practice all week. It was in, he was in bed. Did not practice all week. Did not attend meetings no, did all not, week. Did not have a single rep all week long. You put him out here in these awful conditions. Uh, and Against the best special teams in the league. Yes, against, and against maybe the best special teams player in the league. And and he misses the block. So and the, and the that's unforgivable. Around. It is unforgivable. Okay. And the, and these and see these are the issues that w- we talked about after the game uh, amongst ourselves after we'd already finished about the Cowboys and in that game and what went wrong. Because I think there was a feeling uh, among us uh, and not so much outside that, that the Cowboys didn't do a lot of things wrong to lose that game, but they made some key. They did some key things wrong, you know. Oh, right. Okay, go ahead. Did you want to ask a question? Well, I, I, I want to go. I want to finish off this little special teams dissection yeah. because that's an unforgivable play. It's a great play by Slater. Yeah, but you can't get personnel. No, we've talked about that. The two muffed kickoffs. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know that was the thing that. See, that's what Jerry was talking about. He said, "You know, did you have the wrong personnel out there?" Uh, no, I, no, I don't think they had the wrong personnel. The, the situation was that the uh, there, there's just so much confusion about how they're fielding these kicks and mm-hmm. punts and things, and so so they so they're pooching these kicks, right? And so so you've got a tight end out there, uh, and you've got a fullback out there, and they run over and act like, act like they're going to catch the ball, and then they don't catch it. It's like well, this is why you're out here. The confusion is is what's concerning. Yeah, it is, and and so after the game, I, I guess my point would be look. In wet conditions, the possibility of muff punts. Oh yeah, and but, the, but muff kickoffs is is greater. But they weren't physical mistakes; they're mental mistakes, right? And that's what's inexcusable. Yeah, yeah. I listen. Most of the time, you can't really excuse physical mistakes. I thought in this game that Jason Witten really looked old. Uh, the couple of times they threw him the ball, he puts his hands up to catch him. And and it's one thing to say, well, it's a wet ball, it's terrible conditions. He puts his hands up and they're just going different directions. Now Jarwin looked like the better tight end. He did, and here's a problem though with Jarwin uh, as well. But uh, they both had drops. Well, the problem to me with Jarwin was that in, in the first half, of, in the very first drive, they throw him the ball, he catches it, turns around. There's three Patriots in front of him, right? They're in a triangle in front of him, and instead of he's got to get, I think, from where he caught the ball. He needed two more yards to get a first down. Mm-hmm. He turns around and stops and kind of tries to dance. It's like, pal, you're not, you are not outrunning any of these guys. And this is not a second guess because I, I, I want to point out that you tweeted that I, basically to those words immediately yeah. after the play was complete. Yeah, you, you, you go, you just bull ahead and get the first down. Right. And he is not a tough runner. That, and it, there was a, there were other plays during the game where he would catch the ball. He, he, he's a big body, and there's a cornerback there. Put his shoulder down. Give this guy a little bump. And instead, he's trying to avoid contact. Uh, that's not good. You know, I, I, I really I've, – I've liked Jarwin because of his speed. He is fast, uh, and, he, and he's pretty reliable catching the ball. But uh, they need to draft a tight end. I, I, you know, and to me, there's just no question about that uh, going into the next season. I, I would, I would expect this is Jason's last season, and they need to move on. Really, I, I was, I've, I've been fairly optimistic about Jarwin. He, he's impressed me. I don't know that this was his best game, but I, I, I mean, I, I think he has, I think he has things about him. I just like to see 
you know, I, I mean, that's a mistake. There's no doubt about that. That's a mistake. Presence of mind. You just got to be a tougher runner, though, right. too. He's got to be a tougher runner. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, there were – so the special teams were mistakes, and that was the thing that Jerry was pointing out was that, okay, you can blame this on Keith O'Quinn, who's the special teams coordinator, and Jeff Heath, Michael Gelkin, you know, listen, our guys do a great job. Michael Gelkin, Calvin Watkins, David Moore, they all do a great job. Michael, though, had really did a good job after that game going down and talking to Jeff Heath, who's the special teams captain. And and he kind of protected Jeff Heath on some things he said uh, that contradicted some of the things that Jerry Jones said. Uh, and, and basically what Jeff was saying was that we're getting coached up. We're just making mistakes. It's like, well, okay. So then either you got a problem here. You got some guys who are learning challenged here, or you have, uh, it's not being coached well enough. You know how that, that, that thing is. It's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Have we gone over this? Yes, we've gone over it. Let's move on. I, I brought this up to Calvin Watkins. I, I once did a story on Gordon Wood, uh, the great Texas high school football coach, mm-hmm. and uh, and I asked him about coaching and what it was and what he thought. He he was complaining about how the Cowboys were running a particular play with Emmett Smith, and he was saying that Emmett Smith was rounding off when they pitched the ball to him. He was rounding it off. He was. And he said he's supposed to go out and take a, a ninety degree turn before he takes this. You know, okay. And I said, well, maybe he's just trying to get to the line of scrimmage quicker. And he said. Uh, he just looked at me like, uh, you're an idiot, first of all. And secondly, this is the way you run the play. And Gordon said, when we ran plays, you know, when I was coaching, if we made a mistake, we ran the play again. I don't care who made the mistake. We ran the entire play again. We ran the entire play until nobody made a mistake, and then we moved on to the next thing. Right. And that's, that's emphasis. That's telling people there are consequences to making mistakes. And I just I, – and, I, you know, we don't know how the Cowboys run practices. We don't get to watch them. We get to watch a little bit of them, and that's it. And, uh, you know, we could argue whether this is uh, – maybe this is just – this whole season on special teams has just been, you know, uh, you know, a blip on the radar. I, I find that hard to believe. You can't game after game be making mistakes. Guys, you know, they're not standing in the right place to receive kicks. You know, uh, the decision about whether they should have – you know, in the Minnesota Vikings game, at the end of the game – uh, you got a guy back there. He's being told to to just fair catch it. We don't want to run any time off the clock unless you have a lane open. You know, then, then go. Well, there was a lane open. There was a huge lane open. He could have got twenty yards in about five seconds. And and but he's he's fair catching the ball. So then after the game, he's having the conversation with with Garrett. In the end, Jerry's complaint, I don't think, was so much with Keith O'Quinn as with Jason. You know, you're the guy in charge. When he was talking about the Patriots and their special teams and how great they are. He was not talking about the Patriots special teams coach. He's talking about the head coach, Bill Belichick. So these comments were all meant for, for Jason. Uh, this is all pent up frustration on Jerry's part. You know, we're now six and five we've, we've lost games. We should have won. He brought up the, the New Orleans game. He brought up the Vikings game. And when I brought up the Jets game, he was more than happy to talk about that. So, uh, I think that uh, that Jason is on the hot seat. I see he was in he was on the hot seat anyway. He was he's not under contract. I mean he's his contract's up after this season. He didn't get an extension. So yeah, he was already in that position. Uh, it's not going to matter if they win the division because the Eagles are terrible. Uh, I think that if they don't go to the NFC title game, he will fire Jason. Well, you said that from. From the beginning, from the first practice. But people, people still want to say. And somebody said this on Twitter. Uh, oh, he, you've said he loves Jason. 
you've said well there, I, I think he does love Jason I don't He's, think he loves him I, I no I think he loves him as I think a person he, I, no I don't think he um, I think he likes him I think he likes him and he, he he what he loves is the idea that I have fired I have hired my Tom Landry right and it's and he realizes you know when we did that uh, uh, story over the weekend, and Michael Hogue did this very fine uh, work uh, on uh, an illustration, and, and I don't know if Michael's the one who looked at all these stats or not, but comparing the eras from 1970 to 1995, Cowboys, and the, and the Patriots from 1996 until now, their records are almost identical. And what you see in the, in the common denominator of both those eras is that the Cowboys had three coaches, Patriots have had three coaches. That uh, that the that the uh, Patriots have had two quarterbacks, and only one of those years uh, was not Tom Brady. That was the very first year Drew Bledsoe. The Cowboys had several, uh, which was a little bit of the, as I pointed out, a little bit of what was wrong with Tom Landry, messing with his quarterbacks too much. You know, he was he was he liked to he, he had a hard time settling on them. They were always drafting quarterbacks, always signing quarterbacks. They had a bunch of them. Uh, and a bunch of good ones, uh, but it, but when they were, when he had Roger Staubach and when he had Danny White, and then of course when Jerry Jones had Troy Aikman, then they were very good. Which kind of tells you if you got a head coach and you got a quarterback, well then you're you're probably going to be all right. You know, you got to do the other things too. But that's that's a great start. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, this is this is you know one of the reasons why they're in the shape they are right now. So, I, I, there are two things that you've said since the beginning of the season. Well, yeah. I, I take that back. Since the beginning of the season, you said if they don't reach the NFC Championship game, which is the level that they have not yet reached under Jason Garrett, right. he would be fired. Uh, I think you said you've kind of stopped the uh, the narrative of when are we going to find out who the Cowboys are in the last couple of weeks by saying we know who the Cowboys are. Yeah. This is who they are. Yeah. They're it, not good enough against winning teams, and they're they're fine against losing teams. The addendum that I'd make to anything is that I feel like there is there is a mindset. If I had a criticism of Jason Garrett, I don't know what the organization is like. I don't know what the communication is like. I hear favorable things about the way he communicates with players all through through second. Um, second channels, uh, but if I have a criticism of this team, it is that I don't see um, an ability to create a real, uh, for lack of a better term, step on their throat mentality. And I feel like too many games, particularly against upper-level opponents, come down to everything having to go right in the last two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that is, and I, I think I've maintained this for a while, that is a recipe for basically a 500 season or a 500 record. Um, I, I agree with you that we know what this team is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that it's unless this team rolls off five straight wins in impressive fashion going into the playoffs, I don't think it's going to change anybody's um, feeling about what this team is, which is, Oh my! Hit the panic button. I did. I actually did it. That yeah. Uh, we know what this team is, and that is that they are a good but not great team. 
Well, just an inconsistent team, you know, and that's the that's the and thing. And that's not a team that gets to a championship game. No, no. And here's the thing, though. All right, to give you an example, and we had this discussion after the game as well. And I thought this was great. That uh, first of all, let me say this: Dak didn't play great. Uh, conditions are terrible. Uh, Tom Brady didn't play great either. Um, but it bothered me that Dak had to wait until the second quarter. I think it probably was before he put the gloves on. You know, he makes the, the bad throw. He rolls out, makes the bad throw to Randall Cobb, overthrows him by five yards. He, he's wide open. That's going to be a first down. You know, they have to kick a field goal instead. Uh, that's a big deal, you know, at that point in the game. Of course, if they scored a touchdown, they, they might have won that game. Um, and and so we're, we're discussing this. Uh, and so some one of the sports writers says uh, – and I, I said that was too late. And he goes, it's not too late. He just he just should, you know, because they he could still he, he played with the gloves after that, and he was much better. And I said, yeah, it's it's too late because he missed the throw to Randall Cobb. Going into the game, you should have said you're out there in warmups for a reason, right? It's raining in warmups as well, and warmups it looked the same as it did in the entire game. You make the decision now, not let's see how it goes when I get into the game. It is it in some and John Kitten should be saying to him, hey. How do your hands feel? You, you know, it's it's cold. It's going to be cold and wet out here. There's going to be some bad conditions. You're not used to playing in this. Let's play with the gloves, right? Let's do that during the week. Let's 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 wear gloves during the week and see what this is going to be like. You know, it, to me, it's like that same thing. It always drives me crazy when you get into games and people say, "Oh, now they're changing their shoes." You know, it's like. <laughs> Don't be changing your shoes now. You should have known going into this game, you know what the weather's going to be. Everybody knew what the weather's going to be like in New England on Sunday. Knew it was going to rain. It's going to rain all day long. That was the report all week. Uh, so you have to know that. And and against the Patriots in that kind of situation, and that was the thing going into the game, and this is what I wrote when I, my prediction. The Cowboys could certainly have won that game. I said they just can't make any mistakes. You can't go in there and make mistakes. They will eat you up if you make mistakes. And that's what they did. That was a mistake, not having gloves on. Now, now he took credit. I mean, he he took the blame for that. He said, "That's my, that's on me." He said, "I should have done that sooner." Yeah, you should have. Some of that's being young, right? Twenty-four year old quarterback. You know, you don't have a lot of experience playing in, in the in cold weather. He's from the South. You know, he spent his whole life playing either there or under a bubble. You know, like Jerry World. So, but gosh, what a lesson to have to learn. So here's what I see on this team. It's a really young team. Just a few older guys on the team. A guy now, now a guy like Michael Bennett being added to the team. Robert Quinn, uh, you know, being added to the team this year. I just don't know if there's enough veteran leadership on this team that can make up for what the what the coaches aren't delivering. And that's that's my that's my issue with it. And I think that's this Cowboys team is good enough. They they're talented enough to win any game. Their problem is is they make too many mistakes. I'm a little bit, um, I'm a little bit hesitant. It's it, it's much like, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, you didn't hit the panic button. The like um, analogy for me for a lot of on a lot of things is, people will say on baseball, well, no more Mazar is only 24 years old. Yeah. Well, he's played four full seasons in the big leagues. Yeah. Um, the improvement needs to come. Uh, my point on Dak is not that he hasn't improved. He's improved as a quarterback. He, he he's, uh, he's a very good. Quarterback. He's improved tremendously this he, year. He's an MVP type candidate. Yes, but he is. At four years into the league, I don't. 
I don't know that I accept the in a game like this with as much as on the line. I don't accept the what a lesson to learn. I, I think that's that's something that. Oh, no, either I, falls on coaching staff to. Oh, I agree with you, hundred percent. That's what, but that's what people are going to say. If you're on the side that says, "Well, shoot, you know, lesson learned," you know, I'm, I'm not with the lesson learned. This is the stuff that gets people fired. Lesson learned, opportunity missed. Yes, that's the bigger issue: is the opportunity missed. You know, you just you you got to know when you go out there, man. This is this is pretty awful out here. I'm going to need to do something here with with a. Uh, you know, with, my, with wearing some gloves because after that he was pretty good. You know, at, at, from that point on they weren't. It wasn't like they were just really moving the ball, but he was certainly was throwing the ball as well as Brady was after that. Uh, now Brady made some very Brady-like throws that were tremendous, like the back shoulder throw for the for the only touchdown. Well, uh, but the the other thing I thought, but, like so, the, but a lot of them weren't. The sidearm throw I thought was was really ill-advised. He got away with that. Uh, I don't know if it was last week or the week before. He made one of those, and he had been doing that. And I, you know, because I had he had, had even written that before. He he's not Patrick Mahomes, you know, uh, who's really talented. Patrick Mahomes is an Aaron Rodgers kind of guy, a guy who really, really a lot of talent delivering the ball. Uh, Dak doesn't have that much talent. Now he's 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 much better because as we've seen in his little Dak dance. You know what he's doing is I'm trying to get my my shoulders squared up. That's what all that means is that well, hips open, shoulders square. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to get everything just right in the, to deliver this ball. He got away with the sidearm throw. He, he he would have gotten away with that one. It just wasn't a good throw. Well, but that. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's harder to make a good throw when you're throwing a sidearm. Bad, bad decision. I do not think this was a good game for Dak on on really any level. No, not not a good no, not a good game for anybody really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really thought after after we get there and see the conditions, I'm thinking uh, this is a game they should probably run the ball more, you know. Uh, and they and they and they got Tony Pollard in the game uh, more often. There was something that uh, at the end of the first half when they got down there and and the and it was and I don't I never got this cleared up that that Zeke took himself out of the game yeah, that Pollard was in the game at that point. It and it and the Cowboys just didn't look. Like they were convinced in what they were doing, uh, it looked it looked like there was some confusion on the field about what was happening at that point. So that was it was uh, it wasn't good, um, and that was a and, and I think that was the point Jerry was making. This is a game they could have won, they could have won that game very easily. Now let's go. We hadn't even talked about the decision to to kick the field goal uh, instead of going for the touchdown. I got to tell you, uh, on the morning news staff uh, that was there at the time, I was a little surprised they didn't go for it, but I didn't have a big problem with kicking the field goal right then. Uh, and I talked to, to Babe Loffenberg and Brad Sham after the game, and Babe said, I thought they should have gone for the touchdown, and I said that on the air. Uh, Brad said, I didn't have a problem with them kicking the field goal. Well, there's two guys whose opinions I respect, uh, and I and I think – uh, certainly you could make an argument either way. The, the argument that Bay made, which is, is probably the better one, uh, is that you haven't gotten down here hardly the whole game. You're going to do this twice in the last six minutes. That's what you're saying. And secondly, it's still a one-score game. You, know, you, you, still, you haven't improved your, your odds any here. I, I, I thought the mistake that was made there in this situation was not so much mental 
in this case, as physical. If you'll remember, on the third and seven, Dak rolls to his left and throws it to the back of the end zone to Jarwin. Jarwin is out of bounds when he catches the ball. It, you know, it's tough play. I don't have a problem with the, th- the throw and catch, you know, that it wasn't executed. I had the problem with the fact that Dak ran out there and then just didn't run with the ball. He's got a 300-pound defensive lineman mirroring him on that play. If he can't get past that guy, there is nobody else out there. Everybody else is in the end zone. If he can't get past that guy for at least a first down, uh, he might have gone all the way for that matter. I just thought, I'm watching the game last night. I'm drifting a little bit here. I'm watching the game last night with Baltimore and the Rams, and I'm watching Lamar Jackson run all over the field. Uh, Now, look, Lamar Jackson won a Heisman Trophy for a reason. Uh, He's a tremendous talent. And he was, he was done a disservice by a lot of people in the NFL and outside the NFL, like Bill Polian, who's saying he's not a quarterback. Uh, he's shown he's a quarterback. He's a different kind of quarterback, and that's the thing. Uh, the NFL doesn't want this kind of quarterback, has resisted it. Uh, I don't want Dak running like Lamar Jackson does. Uh, he takes a lot of abuse right. when he's running the ball. But in that, that's the exact situation that, that Dak – it's raining – in the you're, it's it's a tough now you got the wind at your back and I'll give him that but even that's a little bit of a you know problem you loft this ball like he did it's going to float further than it would have uh, in um, under better conditions he runs that ball then it's fourth let, let's say he doesn't make it it's fourth and one or fourth and two we were asked Jason Garrett about that he didn't he didn't come down with an exact thing he had to be but he would have he would have gone for it then on fourth or one or two but fourth and seven fourth and seven is a lot. Uh, so I, I, let's just go back for a second. I, I, you're distracted. No, I, I just, I feel like you're not going to get a whole lot of chances to score touchdowns against New England. Right. Um, and babe's, babe's point is absolutely correct. If you're not going to score the touchdown, then you're going to have to go 60, 80 yards with no timeouts in two minutes left to score a touchdown later. No, well, they had timeouts on that last drive. Uh, it, they would have at some point in time exhausted timeouts. Yeah, drive. no, no. I've, you're putting yourself in a much di- more difficult situation. There's no question. About so, that. I mean, if you're assessing chances, and I know that that our, our pal Tim Kalishaw has made some point about win probability, and that the the Ravens coaches all get win probability in their headphones with every play situation. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly that is a situation where you would say win probability would suggest that you go for the touchdown there and then worry about the field goal later on. Yeah. Well. Uh, and that, that I, I, I don't know that I've gotten a, or seen a, um, an adequate explanation from Jason on that. Well, fourth and seven. Seven yards. That's a that's a lot. I don't know how many times how many times in a game you're not going to convert fourth and seven a lot. But that's that's the thing. You're it's you it, got, and you, it's not like you're getting killed here either. If 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 you're down by two touchdowns, then you got to have it. Obviously, okay, yeah, we got to go for it now. Uh, I, I didn't. You know, it's one of those things to me. I because I, I asked Babe. That's so what what do the charts say? You do in this situation, Babe style. You blow off the charts because of the situation. He meant because of the circumstances. You know, the game, how, what it's like, what it's, how hard it's been to get down the field, all that kind of stuff. I'd like to know what the numbers say, what the what the metrics would say on that kind of thing. That would be that would be good to know. 
All right, let's talk about something else uh, because this this bothers me, and it bothers me more than it does other people, I think. But the uh, all right, so on the on the next what bothers ele- you? No, the 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 tripping calls. So we're talking about that. So and I, I have not seen an accurate number. I've saw I've seen two things. They they said that there have been either four or five tripping calls in the entire NFL this year. Two of them in that game. Yeah, and uh, the first one. I on Travis Frederick. see him lifting his leg up. He clearly did not trip anybody. Right. But his leg did come off the ground. Um, the second one, uh, you know, it, it, unless you're shuffling, I don't know how your foot doesn't come off the ground in that situation. There was no, there was no lifting of the leg, no intention to leg whip anything. No, that's and that's and to me. Someone brought this up, too. Um, what do you think of the possibilities that before the game, Bill Belichick goes to the referees and says, I want you to watch these guys. Uh, they, they trip a lot. Uh, I'm sure it's possible. Yeah. I, 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 well, why, why else does that get called twice uh, in a game? It's a, it's a great point. And you know what I mean? It, it never gets called. It could be, could be a complete and total coincidence, but – at the at the same point, I would not. Now l- let me ask you this. Yeah. Because we on on the baseball side, we were in the middle of a cheating scandal, and the Patriots have been in the middle of cheating scandals before. Right. Nothing wrong with Bill Belichick going to the the officials before the game and saying, "I think these guys do a lot of tripping." That guy, that guy goes on all the time. Right. Yeah. So. Um, he's certainly just well within his rights there, and he he's just doing a good job of being a, a, a team advocate. Um, and if he if he saw something on tape that allowed him to say they might get called for this a little bit, hats off to them once again. Um, but I saw nothing on those two penalties that was a legitimate uh, effort to trip a player. Not not remotely. And uh, and and here's the thing for me. After the first one, which was so bad, doesn't somebody say to the other ref at, on the reviews, doesn't somebody from the outside, from the officiating, say, hey, that was a terrible call and tripping call? And then didn't somebody say, let's not call it the next time? You know, certainly there's a makeup call here somewhere, right? Yeah, I, I, I just I, – Especially I, in such a pivotal play. You got a team coming down the field. This is a little bit of the old situation. Let's let them play here, right? You know, and that's something's really egregious. Let's let them play. But that, and again, there are, you know, there should be certain pass interference. Now, I mean, we've seen what the yeah. success rate on challenging pass interference calls has been, yeah. or or lack of pass interference calls. But I, I I do think in an ideal world there would be some mechanism, um, on on plays, on holding calls, um. Or tripping calls, plays that go on, you know, not dead ball fouls, mm-hmm. um, where a coach could issue a challenge at some point in time. You can't do it on every play clearly, but there could be a limited number of challenges uh, because there's the. You look at that, and you, Mike Pereira was doing his best to cover for the referees, I suppose, but there was nothing that anybody and, and Troy Aikman on the broadcast flat out called it a bad call. Yeah, there was there was no call there to be made, um, and I'm sure that there would be fans across the country who would say, "Oh, that's Troy Aikman, cowboy bias." We know Troy has been 
as as critical as anybody oh, on the broadcast. Oh, absolutely. Because he, he criticized the Cowboys during that game. Oh, yes, absolutely. But it was just a bad call. And that is the shame of things that, again, in the final three or four minutes, the Cowboys see a drive killed or their opportunity killed by a terrible penalty. But it goes back to my earlier point, which is, this team constantly puts itself in a position yeah. where everything has to go right in the final three well, minutes. And that's what Jerry was saying. I don't want to talk about the, the, the tripping penalties. I don't, he could have taken any of those things as an out and said, and that's what he would have done under normal circumstances, uh, and he, did, he chose not to do that. But I want to go back to the, the fish eating thing because this bothers me, and I was going to write a column about this earlier, and I didn't do it. I may save it. Uh, I'm, I'm up to my neck with the whole thing about – Hey, listen, it's a human error. It's just what you get with umpires and officials. They're just going to make mistakes. We don't live in that era anymore. That error, error and era uh, are products of an age when you didn't have replay and you didn't have the, the digital technology that allows you to see these kind of things now. And I'm going to tell you something. If, if leagues are worried about integrity with a Tim Donahue and what he's talked about, you're going to have to get these things right. And you're going to have to give people an avenue. You cannot say that's a non-reviewable play. What, why is that a non-reviewable play? Well, the, I think the only thing is you've got you you do have to account for the human element in some regard only because you can't review every play. You can't sit there and no, do but, their five. No, but hours. just what you say. You 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 give these guys an opportunity, and you and you but say. But the first thing we've got to see, we've got to see something on the. I think. Look on the baseball side. Um, we could get into balls and strikes. That's a whole different story, and and Which you know, that should if, be all computer. And if you can digitize that, great. The, yeah, right. The, but but on challenges, we've seen the umpires overruled plenty of times. Oh, plenty. The pass interference call, I think, has become it's become a joke to coaches in that it's senseless to try and challenge that. Yeah. Because it's not going to get overturned. No, they're not going. To no do matter that. what the evidence is. And I think that's just them being stubborn about it. Correct. I think that's just their way of saying, you want this? Okay. I'll and that's petty. And if, it and is if petty. That, and if that's the case, then then either there's got to be some changes made amongst officiating crews or the replay crews or, or whatever, uh, but it, it, it's petty. Let's get this stuff right and let's play the game to the full integrity, to, to, to the full capabilities of these two teams to let the players on the field decide the outcome. I'm, I'm just going to say this real quick because we need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh Officiating, when you're an official of a game, you're an umpire, you're an official. I have never, I've always taken the attitude, these guys, I'm not going to question them. I'm going to let this go. When If I played any sports and, and I never challenged anybody, they say I committed a foul, I raised my hand. You know, okay, fine. But, and I have never believed in conspiracies or any of these kind of things with umpires and officials. But the whole personality thing, where these guys got to make themselves bigger than the than the game itself. I don't I don't like it in baseball. I don't like it in football. I don't like it in basketball. Officials. I I, I hate to say this. If you are an official, your first job should be managing the game to allow the players, their personalities, and the coaches to decide the outcome. You're no different from Chuck Morgan or from the people, the ushers, or anybody, you're just there to service the game. Well, there's a secondary element of you. I, I, there is a secondary element of of having to enforce rules, right? I well, mean, yeah, somebody's got to enforce, yeah, you're, but you're, avoiding you're, chaos. Your primary, you should be managing 
people over enforcing the rules because the number of rules interpretations that you're going to have oh, to yeah. make are very, very few. And that's a great point. And there are many more instances where you've got to manage people. I did not like, um, you know, I've been to one Cowboys game this year as a fan. That was the game at home um, in which Jason Garrett got flagged for for the uh, for the way he threw his challenge flag <laughs> at the official, which to me is the height of absurdity. Yes. It is absolutely. It's it, it's like it's like people showing up. Your it's like a parent with your teenager. I'm going to show you. You can't talk to me that way. I, I mean, if and if I was the league office, I mean, uh, that I would have disciplined that official. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I just. I, well, all of the, everything we're talking about is 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 adding to that fire. And, and listen, I it's a hard job. I'm not saying it's not a hard job to do what they do. I I couldn't do it, you know. And 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 they do a lot of great things. But it's just like you said earlier. How many times have you seen plays overturned? In the history of baseball now, if we went back and, and had all these, how much would the history of baseball have been changed? And, and in the end, and I know we talk about we don't want the games to get any longer. I got to tell you, for the most part, I don't have any problem with the games being longer. I want them to be right. No one looks back on history and says, yeah, that, you know, that, that ice bowl, psh, that game lasted four and a half hours. Nobody cares that it lasted four and a half hours. Everybody talks about the game and right. what happened, and, 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 and that's what they care about. And in, the, and in these kind of games, they're, they're big, they loom large in people's And I think in the NFL, that's, a, that, that's right. a better point than it is in, in Major League Baseball. Because oh, sure, it's just 16 it's games. It's one game, one game a week, yeah. and people are committed to that activity for the day. Absolutely. So... Um, well, the fact that the NFL, but you could literally you could call holding on every play, right? Sure, you could. You and, and probably on an exponentially larger number of plays, you could call pass interference if you wanted to. Sure. Um, well, then they, they do they do allow a lot more hand fighting now than they used right. to, as it seems to me. Uh, uh, and maybe I'm wrong about it. Maybe it's just because you just see it so much better. All I'm saying is that with all the angles and with all the 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 things you can see and fans can see now, that's like. We're allowing what? Fans don't get that. They don't. They don't realize that this stuff's been going on forever. They just look at it like, "Oh my gosh, I saw that, and th- that guy clearly didn't do that, or he did do that, one or the other." And, and it, the it, rules. The rules have to keep up with the technology, and the technology has improved to a point where fans now often have a far better vantage point than officials sure and if that's going to be the case then put a buzzer in fans hands and let them vote on whether the play was right or wrong i just think that you need to have in the you need to have in the box an official there who's watching the replays in the box not not somebody in new york you know hire another guy you know that was the thing about the nfl for so long anyway didn't even have full-time officials right right? these guys all have other jobs no i mean to your point Get get the games right. Yeah, too much too much right. matters with each one of these games. Get the calls right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, communicate better to to coaches. Um, again, make it a little bit more understandable what is a catch and what isn't a catch. Yeah. Uh, and then get the calls right so that the games. You know, I mean, you want to talk about the history of football. Should not the New Orleans of Saints? Should not the New Orleans of Saints? Yeah, should like not that. the Saints of New Orleans have been in the Super Bowl last year? Um, based on a non-PI call, right? Yeah, I mean, come on. So you can you can just say, "Oh, that's just the game," all you want to, but you're not a Saints fan, then, right? You know. So yeah. anyway, and, and really, you're only if only in that case, or you're a Rams fan, or you got money on the game. Yeah, because if you want the games to be true, 
you want them to be true, and yeah. you don't want you, you don't want to say, oh well, well this one was well then just in the fourth quarter of a tie game, just have a coin flip to decide the game. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right, well we've got to get to our Thanksgiving smorgasbord. Uh, actually, it's a cornucopia for Thanksgiving. A cornucopia. Cornucopia, a uh, horn of plenty, yeah. um, of stuff. Is that we've about? Got, is Barry going to be on? Uh, horn of plenty. I wish. Yeah. God, I wish. Old Barry. Uh, but we'll uh, we're going to be back to talk uh, Mavericks, colleges, Rangers, everything. Thanksgiving. We're going to talk side about dishes. soccer. We're going to talk about Premier League. We're going to talk about uh, X, uh, XFL. We're going to sure. talk about boxing and UFC. The, the over under on Bob's Bob Stoops coaching games for the Dallas Renegades. There I've got go. it at point five. Yeah. All right. So for everybody in here, to everybody out there, thanks, and we'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.